0: Extra time. Kia ora and welcome to extra time. I'm Stephen Houston. Well, no doubt and quite literally, the major talking point this week has been Tiger Woods and his first major golf win since 2008, which won his fifth Masters title at Augusta on Monday, completing what many are claiming is one of the greatest sporting comebacks of all time. It's his 15th major title and now reignites his bid to equal and surpass the great Jack Nicklaus's record of 18 major wins. This week on Extra Time, I'm joined by fellow sports reporters Matt Chatterton and Joe Porter. So Matt, if we um, we'll start with you, you're the golf fanatic amongst us. Is this really such a big deal Aren't, or are we just overegging it when it comes to talking about great comebacks of all times?
1: Uh, personally, no. I think it's uh, it definitely warrants uh, the sort of respect it has uh, garnered, I suppose, over the last few days. Uh, what Tiger has achieved in the, sort of the two years that have uh, preceded this is nothing short of remarkable in, in my mind. I mean, the fact he's gone through so many surgeries on his back. Uh, obviously, his other um, personal issues, shall we say, I think, I think it is remarkable. And the fact that he even was quoted last year as saying at the Champions Dinner at the Masters that he never thought he would play again or compete again uh, to, to go the next year winning the Masters is, is nothing short of remarkable. I um, mean,
0: though, you look at Ben Hogan, though. Well, he survived a head-on-bus crash, mm-hmm. suffered a double fracture of the pelvis, a fractured collarbone, a left ankle fracture, a chipped rib <laughs> and near-fatal blood clots lifelong circulation problems and other physical limitations. And not only that, he went on and he won six more majors.
1: I'm not saying Tiger can't do that, but I guess you could also say Nicky Lauder. Look at his crash in F1. I know that's been compared as the greatest comeback of all time, and uh, com- considering he did that all in one season after his massive crash, yeah. he had incredibly impressive. I don't really like ranking comebacks and these and these ideas of things That's being, just being soft. No, no, no. I personally just, I just don't think it, 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 it is a good way to go about things. I think we should all be able to appreciate uh, good sport when we see it and just appreciate it for what it is, and... Uh, don't get me wrong, um I think I think uh, what everyone else has achieved is great. I think what Tigers achieved is great, but yeah, you won't get me comparing who is the greatest comeback of all time.
0: Joe, you got it um, you want to throw your two cents in here?
2: Yeah, look, I don't know enough about perhaps other sporting comebacks to really make a comparison, but I think that I mean, Tiger Woods, let's be honest, is probably the most recognisable sports person of the last two decades you know, uh, if you look Maybe. at it around the world, you know, with China, Asia, India, across the world, Europe, North yep. America, South America, everywhere you go, is probably one of the biggest names of sport, and, he, and his, his story has been somewhat fascinating, his rise to the top, you know, the first real championship black golfer, the first black golfer to win at Augusta, after them, not, you know, having their racial policy for so long, he's,
1: yeah, yeah, policy. of course,
2: he's broken down, he's broken so many sort of glass ceilings in that sense, and, and his remarkable career to get at such a young age to achieve the success he did and be so consistent um, and then, of course, golf being such a mental game, the fall from grace is, is off-course um, issues with, with his former wife and bits and pieces, um, struggling with some medication to, to, you know, to look after some of the injuries that he had. So I think mentally it is probably fairly remarkable. Eleven years after you've won your last major, you've got all these golf experts all around the world, everywhere, saying, no way will he win another major. No way will he win another major. And I saw a video shortly after he won his Masters where they played that to Tiger, and they'd done a combination or a, a mixtape of... 20 or 30 golfing experts, fellow pros, former. They're all
1: golfing experts. You've got Skip Bayless in there. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, you
2: know, of course, some American sports jocks, too. But many of them just saying, I don't think he'll win again, let alone win another major. So. To have all those people riding him off, and to come back and be able to do it, um, and undergo a, a change to his body, a swing, and rebuild all that st- sort of stuff, and a game that is so mentally difficult, I think it is one of the greatest sporting comebacks of all time.
0: People love a redemption story, though, oh, yeah, don't, don't yeah, they? Yeah, so I mean, right. you got the, the serial adulterer, you know, drugs, yeah. sex, uh, all sorts of issues, and, and yeah, eleven years between majors. That people love a, a redemption story. Mm.
1: And I think also it's worth noting, this is actually the first time that Tiger has ever won from coming from behind in a major in the final round. Um, He's never done that before. This is the first time. So that's actually quite an achievement in itself. Normally he's, you know, 10 shots ahead sort of thing. But this time he actually managed to come from a couple shots back and win. To be fair, the other guys did choke a bit and I think that got to them. But I was watching uh, the Golf Channel and they were pointing out that uh, Francesco Molinari, when he made a double bogey on one of the par threes, Tiger was standing right next to him when he was teeing off to try to get in his head and it worked. So his gamesmanship when he is on course is second to none as a golfer. He, he You know, uh, people say about LeBron James that he has great court awareness, he has a very high basketball IQ. Tiger Woods would arguably have the greatest golf IQ, I think, out of anyone on the PGA Tour now, and probably you know, of all time. I mean, Maybe apart from Ben Hogan and Jack Nicklaus, but that's another story. But, yeah.
0: Now, what? We see the reemergence of Tiger Mania, do we, Matt, you, you think?
1: I think we do. I think that probably the big one will be him going into the US Open at Pebble Beach. He's won there numerous times before, and he's won Big there, he has won by I think you know ten, fifteen shots that people bet before in U.S. Opens and other tournaments there. So I think that will be a real. If, if Tiger is back, we'll probably see it at uh, at the U.S. Open, in my opinion. I think if his, if this Nick uh, sort of strain he has been sort of carrying for the last few months, uh, it sort of gets to him. I think you know that that could probably play a part in it. But if he can win the U.S. Open, then that really does start you know getting the belief back that he could very well pass uh, Jack Nicholas.
0: Yeah. I I mean, that was going to be the the next uh, topic. So is he now realistically a chance of getting to that magic number of 18?
1: Well, I mean, Jack's last major came when he was 46 at the Masters in 1986, I think it was. Uh, So, I mean, Tiger's 43. He's still got three years. And you look at... uh, is it who is it that holds the record for most uh, PGA Tour victories, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he has 82 uh, victories, Tiger 81 uh, the guy that has 82 he won right up until his 50s, I mean I can't see Tiger playing on the PGA Tour into his 50s but he's still got at least another 7 years of golf in him if he can stay healthy, so there's no reason why he can't still win, especially after what we saw at Augusta, the key for him will be one, staying fit uh, and keeping his body healthy, but also controlling his driver tiger has never been the greatest driver of the ball and that's always got him into trouble easily the best putter in the world but if uh, yeah if he can keep that if he can keep that driver straight then yeah i very very much think that he could uh, take jack Nicholas's record
0: i suppose another factor is that sports people their uh, longevities uh, mm. these mm. days is, is you know, when you compare it to someone like Nicklaus you know we're 30 40 years on from that mm. so those mm. sports people seem to keep on going a whole lot longer
1: they do, yeah, and in golf in particular, because you can play, you know, well into your uh, oh god, 70s and 80s if you really want to, and Jack still has a hit around uh, Augusta each year at the uh, when they have the Champions Day uh, winner's day on uh, the Wednesday, I think it is, or Tuesday. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, Tiger, uh, yeah, as you say, longevity, he could definitely do it, but again, it's just a question of his health, you know, if, if his back holds up to it and is, uh, yeah, is all good. What
0: about for the re-emergence of golf? I mean, I, I, was, I was having a look at a few stats, and I've sort of seen that... Uh, in 2005, percent of Americans surveyed said they played golf or that golf was their favourite sport to watch. Rather, by 7, 2017, that number was just one percent. So golf was tied with the likes of volleyball, boxing, gymnastics, motocross, figure skating, and rodeo. Uh, so I suppose that yeah, gets back to the old Tiger Mania thing. How I mean, golf the golf industry must be rubbing its hands together because. Of what yeah. this possibly means to them financially?
1: Uh, yeah, and the likes of, um, you know, if we're just going to talk sponsors here. Like Nike will be absolutely creaming it right now. They stuck with him when he was uh, when he was going through his bad times, and obviously it's paid dividends for them here. But in terms of general golf, uh, I've heard numerous people say this will do wonders for the game. Um, interestingly, with the Masters, uh, when Tiger wasn't playing at the Masters from 2015 to 2017, I think it was, uh, their numbers were. Well down without him playing people Americans in particular just aren 't as interested when tigers not playing and it 's a simple fact and he he is such a uh, a, a dramatic golfer, and you know his, you know trademark fist pumps and whatnot, and his chip ins and whatnot. It just gets the crowd going, and that's what they love to see. And having him back uh, in this will definitely open the conversation with people. Oh, should we go out for nine holes? You know, after watching Tiger, you know, oh, I wouldn't mind going and swinging the club myself. You know, I think I think we will have definitely seen that even here in New Zealand. I saw uh, people on Twitter saying that the lines to get into the driving range in Auckland were, you know, they were full because people wanted to go out and have a hit. So. Joe, Joe, you find that at the mini putt scene. To
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, golf's not
0: really my thing. <laughs> uh, uh, no, uh, interesting, this is just an aside. I I say that each year, or each of the tournaments on the PGA Tour this year, the win, the winner earned more than Woods earned for his uh, first Masters win in 1997. That's how big the, the mm. dollars have, have yeah. got.
1: And that's purely down to him too. Like it's it's honestly just down to what he did for the game and the advertising that he pulled in from from his displays over the years. So, uh, and golfers very rightly they do credit him with that. You know they say that without Tiger we wouldn't be as well off as we are. Probably earning too much to be honest. Uh,
0: just just moving on, um, Joe, being the the rugby reporter, um, are we going to see a redemption story with Israel Folau? I mean, he's now off to a a hearing which is going to be shaping, well, it looks like uh, next week, um, in the wake of his latest uh, tweets and homophobic comments that have got him into to trouble with Rugby Australia.
2: Yeah, look, I can't see a redemption story in that sense, like perhaps something more biblical for Israel, but, but no, nothing in the sporting world, I don't think. No, look, I, his, his bridges are burnt now. I mean, Rugby Australia have essentially terminated his contract. He's appealed that sanction, so they'll go to this code of conduct hearing. Rugby Australia will hope the case is as watertight as it possibly can be, but I think they know that perhaps they missed a trick with not getting a specific stipulation in his contract um, with regards to social media use and, um, you know, any kind of, what seemed to be any kind of attack on diversity. And um, So I, I really, the only way I see this going is the lawyers making money, getting thrashed around in the courts, and Israel Flower essentially trying to leave with the biggest payout he can. If he'd accepted the sanction, he would have walked away without pay. He would have left his $4 million contract over four years or whatever it is to to, to take nothing. So this way, it goes to the courts. They go back and forth. I mean, there's, there, it's not tenable for him to return to the Wallabies. There's no way he could go into that squad the coach doesn't want him there the players won't want him there every press conference leading up until now until after the World Cup will be centred on Israel Folau and his religious beliefs nothing to do with the Wallabies or how they're playing it'll be the ultimate distraction and it would just rip the team apart so there's no way that'll happen it'll just be how much Australia rugby Australia have to pay him out or how little and that, that'll be for the lawyers to decide
0: um, Is there going to be a great loss for, for the Wallabies? I mean how does this realistically affect their, I mean if we work on that theory there's yeah. not going to be there. World, World Cup chances?
2: Yeah, it is a big blow for them, And just speaking strictly in player personnel. here I mean, he's, the, he's only been in Super Rugby for a lot less time than many others, but he's already, a couple of weekends ago, broken the all-time Super Rugby try-scoring record with 60-odd tries, you know, beating the likes of Doug Howlett, Christian Cullen, and many, many others, Brian Habana. So he's done that in less time than those guys took. He, um, he's unbeatable in the year. He's just a complete weapon when it comes to that is afl and rugby league experience you just kick that ball high to that right corner where he is and no one can get as high as he can and no one can claim a high ball like he can so it's a it's a a particularly useful weapon for the wallabies and one that not many other teams have quite to the same level um he scores tries at in test matches left right and center he's a big strong fullback and he really sparks a lot of their play from the back but i don't think the wallabies have a chance of winning this world cup anyway to be perfectly honest and um, I think they might struggle to make it out of the quarterfinals. I think that even with Israel for they wouldn 't be World Cup winners, so it's not going to ultimately affect their final performance or where they'll finish up. it will it will hurt their chances, but not enough to to be the difference between winning and losing a World Cup.
0: What sort of future do you see him or see for him sporting wise and maybe even outside of that?
2: Yeah, well, sporting-wise, the obvious options, it looks like the NRL's going to be off-limits for him again, although I've heard rumours that several clubs are trying to put pressure on the NRL to bend their initial stance that he wouldn't be allowed back to their game. Um, French rugby is the obvious destination. If money is what he's after, he'll get just as much, if not more, than what he earned at the Wallabies. He can probably go on social media and bash metaphorically whoever he likes, um, and the French owners tend to have a pretty loose um, idea of what you should be doing as a role model in terms of rugby over there—they just want you to go out there and score tries. They don't really care how you act as a human off the field, unless it's criminal, I guess. So, um, yeah, I'd I think France is the obvious destination, but who knows with this guy? He said he's he's happy to walk away from rugby for his faith, essentially. Um, and who knows? Maybe he'll he'll be Australia's version of Brian Tamaki.
0: Matt, thoughts around Israel Folau? You got? Anything to add there? Do you think?
1: I'm just going back to last year when he said that you know he made it clear with uh, Raylene Castle, the CEO of Rugby Australia, that you know if she felt that um, it was untenable for him to be there anymore, then he's happy to walk away from the game. But from what he's done in the last month, I don't think that's the case. I think he has completely played both Rugby Australia and the public. And I think he doesn't deserve a contract. I think he should be thrown out into the street and he can go live his life uh, happily uh, in Sydney somewhere and try and make a career out of being a pastor. That's my personal opinion.
0: Well, you haven't beaten around the bush on, on that one. You couldn't, you couldn't say anything about Tiger Woods and, and how it stands in golf game comebacks, but you've, uh, <laughs> you've made it clear on Israel for now. Joe Porter, Matt Chatterton, thanks very much for your time. I'm Stephen Houston on behalf of the Extra Time team. Bye for now.